Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, which, by the way, is much more than a daily report. It really is a knowledge platform uh, from which we communicate thought leadership on various strategic topics uh, through the reports, yes, but also these podcasts, as well as webinars and hopefully live events in the future. So along with our chief strategist, Shelley Cohan, who is a professor, by the way, at FIT and Syracuse University, we welcome you to our weekly podcast, the topic of which is, oh, this is fun, the nightmare after Christmas. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that's a provocative topic. Anyway, according to various uh, surveys and data points, uh, merchandise returns are ranging from 16 to 20% of sales. Of course, online returns are leading the pack, nearing 30%. And in, pardon me? I said it's crazy. I know. I can't, I can't believe these numbers. Yeah, 30%. And in-store returns sit at around 10% of sales. And, and more importantly than the decimation of profits are the growing landfills, which we've talked a little bit about before. It's estimated that returns account for five to six billion pounds of waste annually. That is something you can't even get your mind around. So, you know, while returns have increased year over year, uh, the bright side, if there is one, is that this year uh, indicators show that returns are flat as a percentage of sales. So, so Shelley, um, do you? I'm, I'm sure you've got some numbers on returns for this year, or even holiday. Um, although I'm not sure if they're out yet. So, what do you? What do you have? Yeah, I don't have holiday return information yet, but I'm waiting daily for that information. But overall, consumers are expected to return about $860 billion worth of merchandise for 2022. Wow. That, of course, is um, according to the National Retail Federation, NRF, and APRIS Retail, uh, which does a report every year on returns. Right. And as you had mentioned, the actual return rate is nearly flat. So the average return rate as compared to total retail sales is 16.5% compared to 16.6% in 2021. Again, that's right. from RF and APRIS Retail. Um, and let's just preface one thing, and that's the delineation between you have customer returns and then you have fraudulent returns. Um, and according to the same survey, 89% of returns were due to legitimate reasons. So 11% were fraudulent. So, you know, the key to protecting profits is really identifying fraudulent returns quickly across any retail touch point across all the channels and then take action in real time, whether it's in-store or online. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually... I was kind of expecting that fraudulent returns uh, would be higher than 11%. You know, retailers uh, put all of these policies and rules in place to deter fraudulent returns, but, but it is the least of their concerns for retailers. 
compared to the almost 90% of legitimate returns, which is astounding. Uh, so uh, I guess for our podcast, we should probably focus on legitimate returns, right? Yep, sounds great. Yeah. Um, but let me just make one statement. Um, and that is there's lots of software capabilities that have really helped retailers to keep these fraud returns lower. So you have big data analytics and you have millions of petabytes of data that could be analyzed real time to help retailers deter fraudulent returns. So if you think about you know, the plethora of data that's stored on the cloud from online and mobile and in-store, all that information's easily retrievable so retailers can really spot and detect fraud right at the point of sale. But moving on to legit returns, Robin, I'm just surprised that this number's not declining you know, in the industry with all of the artificial intelligence and machine learning technologies that are available today. Yeah, I I know. I agree with you totally. I mean, you know, the the rising costs of products and supply chain this year have really put a microscope on, you know, every aspect of of the selling process, including markdowns and returns. Retailers are really under a great deal of pressure and uh, particularly from a cost perspective. But, you know, it concerns me that uh, the immediate reaction for retailers is to start charging for returns. Many of them are charging uh, for returns now, and and that's got to have a negative end game. A few examples, uh, Shelly, um, Uniqlo charges seven bucks, Urban Outfitters five, J. Crew seven and a half dollars, lands in six ninety five, and LL Bean is at six dollars and fifty cents, Foot Logger seven dollars, and even Zara. Belk and Wayfair customers are responsible for return shipping costs. Unbelievable. And get this, Shelly, Neiman Marcus is now charging $9.95 after 15 days or on clearance items. You know, in an article that was hosted on uh, Retail Wire, Aaron uh, Halka, senior director at uh, Blue Yonder, uh, told CNBC, quote, unquote, charging for returns is one way to cover a portion of the cost. But it also can deter customers from overbuying since at least 10% of returned goods cannot be resold. Wow. You know, and in a retail wire discussion, the topic was, <laughs> is it time to shut down the free returns party? <laughs> you know, yeah, the, the seminal point, Shelley, is that returns continue to be a conundrum and impossible yet to know which way to go. It's a loser if they charge and a loser if they don't. Yeah, I mean, some retailers are charging for returns. Others are actually shortening the returns window. So it looks like that's what Neiman Marcus is doing. Um, And I'm not sure why retailers just don't provide free returns for their loyalty members. To me, that makes the most sense. Acquiring customers is so costly. And by allowing loyal customers free returns, you get all this great data on the purchasing and the returns. So then retailers can also better deal with return abusers or fraudulent returns or really understand why customers are returning product. That's the key. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, one company that is not charging for return, Shelly, is Nordstrom. 
<laughs> of course, as we know they are hyper-focused on the customer. And we all know that it's been that way from their inception. Service is job number one at Nordstrom. And you know, I've read that almost 70% of shoppers will check a store's return policy before making a purchase. So if retailers have rigid policies or start charging for returns, they are asking customers to walk away before they make a purchase. The cost of the return should be part of the cost of doing business. Nordstrom does not charge returns, but it's embedded in the price of the goods. When the costs are part of the retail selling price, it is not as much as a pain point for customers and certainly not a big boost on costs and losses on the bottom line. Yeah, and I think the other issue for the industry, and it's been this way for years, decades, is that I've really seen very few leaders that really view returns as a way to improve either operational efficiencies or improve product. Mm. It's always yeah. been a pain point for every person in the process on the retailer side. The store associates hate returns, the managers hate returns, and <laughs> on and on and on, all the way up the corporate ladder. The buyer blames the stores, the stores blame the buyers. If product doesn't get there on time, or if it doesn't get there at all, then operations is blamed. The point being, no one really loves and owns returns in the retail sector. <laughs> it's like it's like the uh, monster in the room. Yeah, I mean, nobody want, want, knows what to do with it, but also nobody wants to own it. So I, I don't get that, that so many retailers, they have data analytics that should be used to get to the bottom of this return issue. The data is there, right, Shelly? I mean, so, so retailers must use it. I mean, the goal is to reduce returns at the purchase point. So Shelly, what, what types of solutions are we seeing on this issue? Yeah, I mean, I think the number one goal is re stopping returns at the point of purchase. So retailers should be using enabling technologies to make sure the right size and color are on the website. And that is 55% of returns are based on the sizing issue or color issue. Um, retailers can use artificial intelligence to show products on customers before they buy it. They can use machine learning to better place customers in the right size and also provi just providing more product information about the product. Some companies like IKEA, IKEA was the first to lead the charge with augmented reality years ago. Yeah. And being able to put, you know, products in virtual spaces so the customer can see what a item looks like in their own living environment. And now you have Target and Home Depot, all they're all using augmented reality in that way. Amazon is using it as well. And of course, VF Corps, Timberland. They were one of the first to come out with the use of QR codes that actually show how products work in different environments. So if you're looking, for example, for a waterproof boot, you scan the QR code and it shows how that boot responds in ice, snow, heavy rain. Yeah. You know, my old alma mater, Shelly, as you know, BF is, yeah, they're always on top of things. Now, the amazing thing about that company is that the original company way back in the last century was Vanity Fair. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, so you know, which was lingerie and sleepwear and so forth. But they changed it back to VF. But, you know, <laughs> nobody, they're, they're like under the radar. You say VF company and people say, who? Anyway, that's a, another story. But so anyway, yeah, the retailers uh, that have figured out returns are also uh, using third party companies like Happy Returns <laughs> that, that, that take care of the headaches for them. Um, re returns really have to be hassle free and, and easy. I think you know the uh, CEO of Happy Returns and you've told me uh, his motto is, I love returns. Of course he would. <laughs> well, he does. I mean, his business, like many businesses start, businesses start yeah. because someone gets frustrated, right? Yeah. So he created a business because he was frustrated with the return process. So he created a solution to help retailers. And and by the way, Rob, and his company was bought out by PayPal a couple of years ago. Oh, so they hit the hit the pot of gold. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Um, and FedEx just announced hassle-free returns with what's called consolidated shipping for small and medium-sized uh, participating retailers. So this hassle-free idea is no box, no packing. You just bring the product with a QR code and you drop it off. And retailers have really found this consolidated return process increases efficiency. It reduces substantial amount of costs because you're using less supplies, less yeah. labor, and you're shipping products back to retailers in bulk. So you can think about the ground transportation cost is significantly lower, and it also generates fewer carbon emissions. So I'll give you a quick example. You know, most um, customers, they buy five things that are shipped to their house. They return one of the five, but when they return that one item, they throw it in the same box that the five items came in. So that's mm. not efficient. That's that's wasteful. It's wasteful in yep. so many different ways. So um, it's not environmentally friendly. It costs more because the package is bigger, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, oh boy. Yeah, you know, Shelly, some retailers are requiring in-person returns if they want free returns. Uh, Kohl's and its deal with Amazon shops, as you know, and they're in their stores was really a pioneer on this. It, it obviously gets the customer back into the store. And, you know, not only does it reduce the return cost, if the consumer is in the store returning an Amazon product, they can impulsively cross the aisle and buy a lot of stuff in Kohl's. So, you know, while Kohl's traffic uh, did increase uh, to cover uh, to over 2 million, from the Amazon return customers of 2020, it still is unclear how that translated into sales or profits. I'm not sure Kohl's uh, was really able to track a lift in sales or profits from uh, customers dropping off Amazon returns. However, the convenience aspect was great and resonated with the customers. Walmart is offering uh, curbside returns, uh, buy online, return in store, or curbside. So, and by the way, Shelly, I learned a new term oh. <laughs> that adds to this return problem called um, bracketing, uh, which is when cus customers buy multiple items, you know, with a calculated pre-intention of returning some of the items. 
eMarketer uh, first brought this term up last year, but a recent survey showed 18% of customers in the US and UK bracket, you know, according to insider intelligence. Wow. So that's why returns are 30%. Everyone's over, you know, 20% of customers practically are, are over buying. Yep. So maybe companies should limit the number of returns per customer or better yet, find out, you know, why they're buying multiple items. So if they need to add clarity to product sizing or descriptions to help reduce the buying of multiple items, um, the bracketing is a bigger issue also based on what you mentioned earlier about 10% of returns can't be resold. Yeah. For every 10 items that is return, one of those can't be resold. So that's that's a pure loss. In fact, I would argue that not being able to resell it is actually a cost of the business, the cost of the return plus not being able to sell it. That just oh, adds cost to the business, right? Of, of course, of course. And you know, we, we have not even discussed what happens to that one item. And I'm betting in some categories, uh, that 10% number is a bet is much higher. Um, these unwanted products are ending up in landfills. Everybody wants to save the planet, right? Well, here's an idea. Stop the returns. Stop bracketing. We know returns account for five to six billion pounds of waste annually, as mentioned before, dumped into landfills and causing environmental damage. You know, uh, Sucharita Kodal, Kodali, which I think you know her, uh, she's an analyst at Forrester, and I hope I pronounced her name correct. Anyway, she told Marketplace, now with about 30% of apparel and shoes purchased online returned, there is a huge carbon footprint that's associated with it, of course, and that's a huge cost overall, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. the numbers the numbers I've seen in overall returns range anywhere from the 816 billion as high as over 900 billion in return. So what that means is 80 to 90 billion dollars worth of product are headed to a landfill this oh, year. So incredible. the approach needs to be different and charging customers is not the right answer for all we retailers. Maybe it works for some, but for customers that have a lot of choices Creating these rigid policies and charging for returns will give customers pause and yep. they shop at, you know, another retailer. And here's an idea. Maybe retailers should do a better job marketing the issue with goods ending up in landfills. This is, you know, socially conscious consumer. They may respond to that approach. One of my five, so I did five top retail trends. One of them is this consumerism curtailment and the impact of consumerism on the earth as a growing concern. So maybe they should market that a bit more in terms of returns. Yeah, you know, I, I like your retail trends and particularly this consumerism curtailment. That's a great term to use, Shelley. Anyway, but at the end of the day, this wastage is gonna continue. Even if retailers do figure out how to eliminate the cost of returns, I, I would say that what Nordstrom does by building the cost into the price of the goods, I believe that could work if, but and it's a big if, if the retailer is smart enough to match their value proposition with the cost built in that consumers can't accept as reasonable. Um, 
And on that note, Shelly, as you know, I say good luck. The consumer always wins and paying more is an oxymoron. You're absolutely <laughs> right, Robin. Let's hope the nightmare doesn't last too long this year in terms yeah. of returns. I agree. For our listeners, you can find more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and of course, the RobinReport.com. Please look for us on YouTube where we broadcast our podcast as well. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Link in with us for the latest thoughts about the industry. And it's still early enough in the new year to wish you all a happy new year. And thank you so much for joining us today. And as always, if you guys have a topic that you would love Shelly and I to cover, just send me an email. It's robin at therobinreport.com. Thanks again.